Hello, and thank you for listening to the Tech Girls Podcast. This is Trisha Walsh, your Tech Girls Podcast host. On this podcast, we will explore women and girls in technology. We'll hear their stories, dreams, challenges, and triumphs. Our guest today on the Tech Girls Podcast is Sandy Maynard. Sandy is the current Chief Technology Officer for San Rafael City Schools in San Rafael, California. Sandy finds great joy in coaching co-educators through her personal story to motivate others to take risks and assisting teams to stretch through innovation. Welcome to the podcast, Sandy. Thank you. Yes. It's really good to have you here. Uh, We're happy to talk to you. So I love to get background and hear a little bit about people's history. So as a young person, did you have any interest in technology? I don't know if we called it technology back when I was a young person. We called it tinkering. Um, I was the one girl in high school that would have loved to have been in a shop class, but that wasn't very common. I also loved tinkering with machines, so I kind of found... Uh, avenues, and I'm going to date myself, we had key punches, um, and of course I wanted the class, I wanted a typewriting class just so I could touch the little machine, Um, and so those are kind of the avenues that would show early on my interest in that version of technology. My, how I evolved into the technology I'm in today is more like what happened in the workplace. Um, I ended up in a job. We ended up with one of the first personal computers that you bring into the workplace. Uh, Somebody handed that to me. And within a few years, I had created the first network in Southwest Alaska because of just the interest I had. But it wasn't anything where you could go and find out who was going to help you. You just kind of had to learn from other people or yourself. And then Mac for Dummies came out, and I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. I had a book I could read, and it was great. And so my interest has been more organic. And then after I found those paths, then the education came in later. So I kind of have the flip of what many of your listeners may have. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say if somebody has that tinkering desire, you're probably going to find an avenue in technology some way. So also, uh, you mentioned it briefly, but tell us about your educational experience and any challenges that you faced through high school. Again, girls did girl things, and also just the lack of access. I like one of the stories I read uh, from Malcolm Gladwell about Mm -hmm. Bill Gates, and he tells the story about in the era of Bill Gates, he had to be very creative on how he was going to get on a computer. And so the experiences I had and people of my era was how do you get your hands on the machine? How do you get to touch it? My other experiences that were challenging, my mother came from Portugal, so English wasn't her first language. And so um, I think I have more of a gravitation to math or numbers than I do language because mm-hmm. it wasn't my strength. And so, again, that was a big help for me. A story I'll share about people influencing you. I had a teacher in my junior year who came up to me and said, you know, I'm hearing you're struggling with reading. I'd like to know if I can help you. And she carved out her lunch hour. I would go under a classroom. She put me in front of this machine, and I can't remember the name of it, but it corrected my eye pattern for reading. Those are little paths that I find kind of helped me understand people guided me into becoming what I am today. And she was one of the very first. So that was kind of my educational experiences and challenges I had through high school, learning how to just navigate when 
For me, tactile was what I wanted to do, but the educational experience isn't always tactile. Could you have imagined at 16 years old that you would be asked to be a guest on a show to talk about being a woman leader in technology? I, I, I couldn't. I, I know there's a lot of people that go, from A, I want to go to Z, and I know how to do that path. I had A, M, L, Z, Y, so they were quite different. But again, going back to relationships, the trajectory in my career was always the um, ability for somebody to come and help me look at something I couldn't see. So um, I had people who said, Sandy, I think you can do that. And I would go, hmm, I'm not sure. They would give me the tools and encouragement, and I would start to pursue it. Going back to the story about the computer, Somebody said, Sandy, do you want this computer? And I said, not real sure. They said, well, I think that you have the ability. Put it in front of me. Um, Again, just created my own passion by somebody saying, I think you have the potential to do that. What were your first jobs after high school? Um, I had quite an eclectic resume. I started out everything from banking, restaurant work, and photography. But the catalyst into my career was the reference I made about getting a computer. The first computer that was put in my hands gave me a pinpoint focus that that was what I wanted to do. And from there, I just had to seek out where was I going to get training? Who was I going to um, use as a mentor to help me through that? So I would say my first real job felt like when I went to work in a a school district and began developing curriculum on computers, which was very unheard of at the time. So I consider that kind of my first job that was on the path to the career I have today. We are going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll hear from Sandy about an amazing turn in her career path. We'll be right back. This episode of the Tech Girls Podcast is brought to you by all the amazing contributors to our Indiegogo campaign. We want to especially recognize our givers at the Tech Girls Champion level. They are Cindy and Steve Walsh, Lauren and Fermin Mata, Sonia Dillon, Dave Walsh, and Yvette Romero Aguilera. A special thank you goes out to Jim McAway, who contributed at the Tech Girls Superstar level. Thank you all for sharing our vision of bringing the stories of girls and women in technology to this podcast. Welcome back to the Tech Girls Podcast. We are talking today with Sandy Maynard, the Chief Technology Officer for the San Rafael City Schools. Sandy, tell us about the job and the people that led to your bachelor's degree. The first person that pushed me, and I'm going to say pushed, because sometimes you feel that you can't see the future um, yourself. Somebody's going to have to help you see a future. And I'm going to say her name because I think it's important to give a label to all those people that influence my life. And it's going to take me two hands to have named everyone that helped me get to where I am today. Um, Janelle was the first supervisor I had when I was working with computers in the curriculum area. She showed me high professionalism. She showed me a lot of ways that we could be creative. But more importantly, she showed me how to be scared, but yet successful. Mm -hmm. She would put something in front of me that I felt that I might not be able to accomplish, 
And so it was a very fail-safe environment. I would just try it, see if it worked. If it didn't, I'd try it again. Um, So she was the person I would say gave me the ability to fall flat, pick myself back up, and try it again. After that first experience with Janelle, it's one of those moments where you just start to feel a little more confident. And as you feel confident, people kind of see that in you. And I would say that the snowball started at that point. From there, I then pursued another, I moved from Alaska out to Washington and went to work in another school system. And in that environment, I started training teachers how to use technology, which that filled my soul. I just love teaching people how to do something and having them excited to do it. When I was in the school system in Washington and supporting the teachers and training them on technology, I was at that point a single mother of two boys, very young. I was working in a high school for high school teachers. The high school teachers in that school decided it was important for me to get a degree because my family, my my immediate family and my extended family, very few of them had ever gone for a degree. I didn't know the importance. And those teachers said, no, we think you need to pursue your degree. So they paid for my tuition. They paid for my books. And those were really important. And it makes me very emotional to remember that. But more important than anything, a few of them spent time encouraging me on you can do this these are the steps that you need to take little by little just do one step at a time to pursue this this uh, educational degree and so if not for those nine teachers my life would look so different so uh, and I don't even say that's just one of when I said I had 10 people that I could credit I'm giving them one digit as a group because there has been so many people. If I could tell young people the most important thing you can do is when somebody's lending you a hand, grab it. Grab it strongly and see how that handoff to the next person, because it will need to be another person, can help you just continue on that path of growth. But I will never forget those nine teachers. And, and the full circle part of my life happened. I left that school district, went on to become a CTO in another school district, And 15 years later, I ended up going back to the original school district as a CTO. They had an opening. I got that one. I was able to have a dinner and thank every one of those teachers. And then I have found it's my job to help young women that are pursuing something to pay it forward. How can I help them with any college pursuit? You did mention your young boys. Where did you find the strength and energy as a mom of young children while working to finish school? That's a great question to reflect back on. I don't think I feel that I was as burdened, and partly I had great family support. But I do remember I was in the audience for this award ceremony that was happening in one of our school environments. There was this young gal, and they were now in um, in college, so they were going for their AA. And there was this one gal who was reflecting back on her experience in high school And now she was in college and she was a single mother. And as she told her story about being a single mother, I remember I just started crying because I thought, how is she doing that? And it was so hard for me to reflect back. How did I do it with two boys? You just don't realize it because you just, every day, you just put one foot in front of the other and you just do what you need to do. When you are asked to speak at a training or an event, what are you hoping the attendees take away from uh, your talk? 
Most of the time, what I hope is that they can see a path that they might not have seen before. I hope that they realize that there's an avenue that they can pursue that they might not have thought of. Um, I do a couple of different kinds of speaking things. I, uh, technology is um, my biggest focus, um, but my, uh, my passionate focus is talking about helping people understand families that might not have all the resources, students that might come from poverty or working poor. And when I'm talking about my life experiences, I hope people see a way that if they are, come from um, wealth or resources, how can they be that person that reaches out and gives that hand? Or if you feel like you don't have the potential, you can hear my story, and you can say, if she can do it, I can do it. What do you hope we see for our young people, our young women in education, in the next 10 years? Because I work in the educational environment, K-12, so I'm, I'm at the very beginning of where kids are educationally, I hope to see that young ladies can see themselves at any kind of position technologically that they want. And I think we're having the conversations enough to, to turn the axis. I still don't see things being done all the time that can help young women. An example would be, I think we need to introduce a conversation about your potential in technology, playing with gadgets, anything like that scientifically in middle school. Let them see those options. And I have seen the difference in girls in an environment like an after-school program that only girls are in, in the middle school. They have a different way of interacting with each other than when it's co-ed. And it may sound biased, but I think that's a place that they need to get safe. And maybe when we hit the tipping point of 40% of our population are females in technology, we won't need these strategic movements. But at the moment, I think we need some really bold ways of helping young ladies find a way to be okay and excited about technology. What will it take for us to see more gender equality in STEM? You just talked about um, maybe some girls only, particularly middle school, right? That is an incredibly tough time. What are some other things you think we could do strategically to uh, bring more gender equality in STEM? I think you need to have women young ladies that are in that field talking to the girls. I think that we need to find those women that have broken the ceiling and then stand in front of the girls and say, you can do it. And most of the time, the young ladies will find that nobody had that direct path. We all had this Switchback. You know, when you're hiking, you never go straight up the hill. You're going to go across the mountain, back and forth, because that's the way you tolerate, your body tolerates the hike up the hill. And I think it's kind of the same way when we pursue our career. It's not often straight up. It's back and forth, back and forth. And I think they need to hear from people that when they have gotten into these positions, that it was never exactly a straight path but to let them see I can still do it if I focus on that. We are going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll hear from Sandy about where she finds inspiration. We'll be right back. 
Hello, listeners. I wanted to use this break to talk a little more about the lessons learned so far in making this podcast. In episode two, we talked about bringing up soft voices to a conversational volume and the background bumping sounds you hear on that episode with Rothy. Unfortunately, we had already recorded our conversation with Sandy, and so you hear a couple of bumping sounds in this episode, too. Another lesson for us is to check the memory card in the recorder before starting an interview. You'll probably notice at the end of this episode where we thank Sandy for joining us, has no response from Sandy. Yeah, that's because we ran out of memory and it wasn't recorded. We keep learning, and in good, agile fashion, we move on with all our new knowledge into the next episode. Thank you for coming along for our journey, and now back to Tech Girls, the podcast. Welcome back to the Tech Girls podcast. We are talking with Sandy Maynard, the Chief Technology Officer for the San Rafael City Schools. So Sandy, where do you find your inspiration? I am a person who works well with a group of people. So when I'm with a high-energy, creative group of people, that invokes the most energy out of me. I One of the things I love about living in San Francisco is I see all these, um, I will call these incubator kind of environments, where you can walk by offices and you know there's a group of people and they're just talking and they're feeding off each other. I've never considered myself a creative person, but if I walk in a room and there are four other people that are coming up with ideas, all of a sudden we start to scaffold that idea and it goes higher and higher and higher because we're feeding off each other. So my inspiration, one, is usually with a great group of dynamic people. I also love hearing amazing keynoters that can help me see the vision that I can't see for myself. Techno- education technology has some great keynote speakers that just say, what if you imagine this? And because I work in technology, one of the things I get most excited about is watching a lot of movies that pertain to what we could have in the future. I just got done reading Ready Player One, mm. one of the best books I've read in a long time. And I, I've passed it on to people and recommend they not go to the movie till they read the book. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just... What could the future possibly look like? And I go, okay, we keep talking about our education. We're teaching in the here and the now. Why are we not teaching in the future? And when you read something like that book or any sci-fi kind of thing, you realize that's the piece we could be doing better. We could be saying, how futuristic can we make it for them? Um, so any of those kinds of things are, are things that I might use for inspiration. Reading and articles are really big on my list. Is there any particular person um, or organization today that really inspires you? Well, it's not a well-known organization. My organization that I was really tied to up in um, the Pacific Northwest where I used to live was a called ACP, which is an organization of computer professionals in educational technology. For that group, that really fed me, and we would bring in keynote speakers Ellen November is a keynote speaker that's pretty well known in education technology. And then, of course, listening to many of the psychologists, Jennifer James, people that are looking at how people develop and talking about this is what we need to do to help our students and children get better prepared for the world that they're going to walk into. So because this is a podcast, I always like to ask, do you listen to podcasts? Want to mention any of your favorites? Well, I'm a huge Malcolm Gladwell fan. In fact, his books are usually premiere on my mind. I love Outliers. And so I follow him on a podcast. Yep. 
Revisionist History? Yes. Yes. That's the one. Yeah. So I just for enjoyment, I listen to him a lot. One of the leaders that pushed me into the level of the CTO was a superintendent up in Washington. His name is Tom Van Dark. He now has his own company, has written some books, and um, it's called Getting Smart. And he does a podcast. And because it relates to educational technology, I listen to him a lot um, on his podcast. Because what he does is he goes across the country and he finds those pockets of good education strategies. He then illuminates those strategies for us. And so I follow him pretty closely since that's a field I work in. So one of my favorite questions that I ask all my guests is, tell us about a work of art that has influenced you in your life. I think art for me fits best when I see it demonstrate its usefulness. So I might find a beautiful lamp, and for me that's art. Mm. Um, Somebody who has blown glass, I love Chihuly's art, and I live close to where he came from, And the beauty of what you can do with sand and color and heat is probably the closest I could come to to art that I would go, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And all you did was you took three elements and put them together and look what was produced. Thank you, Sandy, so much for taking the time to talk with us and for being a guest on the Tech Girls podcast. The music you are enjoying right now is composed by Susan Davis Warren and recorded by Matt Sebaslian for the Tech Girls Podcast. <laughs>